Hello and welcome to Cooking Books with me, Jilly Smith, the podcast which takes us just a little deeper into the best of the food books. This week, I'm with Julia Georgialis, supper club host and author of How to Eat Your Christmas Tree, which has become something of a sustainability sensation. This project started six years ago when people weren't talking about waste and climate crisis and I'm not saying that this is going to solve the climate crisis this isn't going to like freeze any ice caps I asked her how an industrial design graduate and baker became a supper club host and author telling people how to make their Christmas trees so I started my career as an industrial designer and um, then I moved into baking I retrained as a baker and part of the reason that I did that was because I kind of realized that food is our most important product really and um it's a real, you know, we can use food as a way of solving quite a lot of problems, right? So, so I was really interested in kind of looking at food systems and 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 ingredients and and how we can kind of solve problems by using food. And I, you know, I, as a lot of people do, I really hate waste. And uh, I, I was uh, working with a friend of mine, and we were looking at a way of uh, of of doing a really fun supper club over Christmas time you know looking at aspects of 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 waste around christmas and we were like oh what can what can we experiment with what what would be an interesting thing to kind of think about waste around christmas and we were like oh christmas trees because obviously you know in january after christmas after you've you know had this lovely time you kind of end up seeing all these christmas trees on streets and it's just so sad and we were like well how can we reuse that waste and and kind of celebrate christmas trees uh, and extend their already quite short shelf life. So we started experimenting with cooking with Christmas trees, and it just snowballed, really. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. So we started experimenting with cooking yeah. with Christmas trees. <laughs> Rewind. What do you mean you started experimenting with Christmas trees? Now, d- we do know that some people will have watched Rene Redzepi using spruce as a, as a spice back in 2010. But was he on your radar? He, yeah, he was. And so this supper club started in 2015, right? So a while ago. And Red Zeppi has been doing stuff with Christmas trees since about 2010. And actually, at that time, in 2015, I think the you know the 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 chat around sustainability and 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 waste was very different to what it is now. Yeah. Um, so he was really the only one. I mean, I, I mean, Christmas trees have been used, uh, you know, by lots of different communities for, for hundreds of years. But he was really the only one talking about it. Um, and there was okay. a few things floating around on the Internet. So we kind of looked at what, what you know, what we found, you know, online and uh, looked at different communities and, you know, different kind of mountain communities and... Um, yeah, just kind of went from there, really. And we, we got in touch with lots of Christmas tree farms. And um, because obviously, when we started doing our experimenting, it was sort of November time. So it was just before Christmas when Christmas trees hadn't really started being sold yet. So we started working with Christmas tree farms and used their trees, you know, things that they wouldn't be able to sell um, to kind of try and cook with them. You you keep referring to we. Is this Lauren Davies? Yeah, so I started the Christmas tree project with Lauren Davies, who is a designer. I met her at the RCA uh, when we were studying together. She's really interested in food. And at this point, I'd only really made the switch from design to food the year before. So we, I was still kind of very much involved in the design world. And we started this Christmas tree project together. And then I uh, ran the supper club every year for the next five years. It's a fascinating way in, isn't it? To use design to 
to address a problem, the problem being the planet, climate change, presumably, looking at then using a product like a Christmas tree to have a completely different way of looking at waste and then using a supper club to take it out to the masses because most people wouldn't have known what Rene Redzepi, the number one chef in the world, would have been doing. And, you know, he's out of most people's league. I mean, what did people think when you suddenly came up with this idea? Did they go, are you crazy? Yeah, they did. And I and at the time, I think it, we were, we did feel like it was a bit mad, really. And But <laughs> I don't know, it was just a really fun way of trying to address something. And like I said, this project started six years ago, when people weren't talking about waste and climate crisis. And I'm not saying that this is going to solve the climate crisis. This isn't going to like freeze any ice caps. But I think because it was because the climate crisis wasn't necessarily a threat, uh, it didn't seem like a threat at the time. We could still be quite lighthearted about it in a yeah. way. Um, so yeah, it was quite mental, but but it was fun. Yeah, but as you say, you know, it, it has been used in lots of different traditions and cultures for for many many years. And it's only that moment where you say, well, actually, and then you start telling that story, people go, oh yeah. So it's not such a big gap to fill. It's not such a leap to make. Um, you know, so give us some examples of, of what is, of, for the Native Americans, for example, you know, using the young spring pine tips. They make them into preserves and teas, didn't they? And they, that, there's a lot of vitamin C. Precisely. It was, it was, it's foraging. It's nothing really more than foraging. And we've all become quite used to the, the idea of foraging. Um, but yeah, I mean, Native Americans, for example, would use, would use um, pine and, and, you know, they'd use things like pine nuts in there to, to, to celebrate the sun, you know, and, and a lot of the, you know, the, the ideas of, of how we use these trees, it's always as a celebration, usually winter rites, um, you know, the Romans and the Greeks used to cover their houses with, with, uh, with pine branches and olive branches as well. And, and I do use other trees in the book that have a cultural similar similarly cultural significance to things that we know as the christmas tree so we know fir spruce pine but but also there's things like olive which has a, a culturally very similar significance somewhere like scandinavia for example they've been using them as food for for they use hun- everything as food don't yeah they? because they have to because it's <laughs> a it's um, exactly. a climate that doesn't necessarily give them much abundance you know and and there's a there's an article in the cookbook about how spruce tips are really really well used in in various scandinavian uh countries like norway and, and sweden and and you can just kind of pick these delicious little buds off the off your christmas tree in the spring and eat them straight off the tree and they're full of vitamin c and and i've i've eaten them and they're delicious you know so so mm. that it is really foraging and it, i'm not the first person to do it i'm not the last person who's going to do this you know it's it's been around for a long 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 time yeah and it's great because it makes you think, well, if I can do that with my Christmas tree, what else can I do? Precisely. So take us through your four food moments. The first one is stealing Christmas trees with Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess this first food memory is is from the introduction of my cookbook. And, you know, the introduction really tells a story of like how the project began and, and why I continue to run it and why it's important. And, you know, like we mentioned before, thinking back to its inception, it's really crazy to think about how different our like our attitudes are to to the climate crisis you know and how di- how we weren't really seeing it as a threat back then 
Um, and and I think each year, that, you know, every time I've run the supper club or or when the when the book came out, this project's really gained more and more traction, and and it's hit a nerve now that it really wasn't in two thousand and fifteen. You know, and I think thinking of driving around London in my bread delivery van, like just nicking bits of Christmas tree from pre- people's front garden, or like begging Christmas tree farmers to give us some tree. Um, it just, it I just, mean, it was just so funny. that you could play with the ideas, yeah. so that you could have the raw materials. Yeah, exactly, and and because it's important, right? We had to be able to experiment and actually be able to make something delicious if we were going to feed people a three course meal. Um, yeah. So it was quite weird because a Christmas tree is blooming expensive, isn't it? Yeah, we didn't want to buy a whole tree, and then also, <laughs> like I said, at the time of year, it just they weren't really that available. So we had yeah. to. I mean, the, my neighbours have a few in their front garden, so I had to ask them, and then you know, c- calling up different Christmas tree farms and telling them what we were going to do, and they're like, "What?" But <laughs> but it was it was quite a weird time in my own cooking history as well, and it's quite nice to think back to that because I'd only just I was a year into my career in hospitality and I didn't really know what I was doing really um it just kind of made me realize that I'd had enough of making stuff and how food was really the only product that I wanted to be dealing with you know and and like you said before it is an important design tool and and I just wanted to explore that further so I was just really thinking at that time about how we overconsume and how we we really commodify nature really and and that and that's not respectful it's not it's not a respectful way to treat something that is alive and it kind of sparked this whole lifestyle change for me. I, I had a really big environmental or sustainable overhaul really and I, I'm not there yet obviously. I don't know if you ever really get there but but it it changed the way I thought about my cooking and the way I thought about plants and the way I thought about ingredients and, and just my lifestyle choices in general. So it was really important I think. Yeah. But to match that with a supper club, it's great because it's about sharing, it's about community. It's also about making something sustainable for you. We do live in a capitalist society. It is the problem, but it also can be the solution. And if you're charging people to come to a supper club, well, that give you, gives you some pennies to make it worth something. And people then spread the word. Everybody has a lovely time. Win, win. Yeah, Good for you. for sure. Um, the key to it, obviously, is the deliciousness of the menu. Yeah. Your second food moment is the spruce ice cream, something that I want everybody to be making. All Cookie the Books listeners must make spruce ice cream <laughs> this Christmas time. Tell us about that one. Yeah, I mean, this this is my favourite recipe of the 30 recipes in my cookbook. Just because, I mean, I love ice cream. I'm, I'm an ice cream fiend and I love eating ice cream. I'd eat it all day, every day. But I, this was also kind of the recipe that was the first Christmas tree triumph and you know the discovery that spruce needles have very similar flavor notes to vanilla was a bit of a it was a eureka moment for me really and 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 I sort of realized that I could answer the brief you know I could answer the brief that I set myself which was to make something delicious out of Christmas trees I did I didn't want this to just be a gimmick I think people do see this as a gimmick but for me the most important thing you know as a chef as a baker I, I wanted things to taste really, really good. So I did it with the spruce ice cream, really. And, and you know, it's a, it's a recipe, like, like you just said, I'm always really keen to pass this one on because as well as being really tasty, it's actually really simple. It's basically just a custard, really. It's like spruce needles in custard um, and then frozen. And, you know, the aim for this project was that it, it would be easy to recreate for the home cook, 
What I find most interesting about it is that you actually researched the flavour profiles between evergreen and vanilla is that that eureka moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and when I researched it further, this, this really, really made me excited, actually. Like when I researched it further, there's, um, there's an element in, in uh, conifers. It's called coniferin. And it's the same kind of ingredient used in uh, artificial vanilla flavourings. Bingo. Yeah, and it's quite, it's amazing, you know. And so vanilla is really like a forest product, and and that's what I also find really interesting. It, you know, it got me asking questions like, well, could we take something like Christmas tree waste, and then could we could we use it instead of vanilla and make vanilla ice cream from Christmas tree waste rather than like you know vanilla pod harvests that are also really detrimental to the environment. And yeah. you know, yeah. hitting research like that makes me really excited because I think about and I dream about how food systems could be designed better, really. Brilliant. I love your passion. I'm getting goosebumps all over. It's that, <laughs> that kind of thinking is going to save the planet, I tell you. I hope so. Your third food moment, equally glorious, pine nut and chocolate brownie. Yeah, so this was a recipe that is, uh, it's, an Ita- it's an Italian recipe. It's, a, it's an Italian chocolate cake, um, but I made it into a, into a brownie. And, and I didn't really think it would uh, have much tension. Uh, because it's, I mean, essentially it's just a brownie, right? Um, but it's been quite divisive and, I, and you know, I, which I find really funny. You know, for the most parts, I think it's been one of the easiest recipes in the book to recreate because most people have these ingredients in their kitchen cupboard, including pine nuts. Okay. And, yeah. and on top of that, it's a, you know, it's a delicious combination. Um, so on one hand, it's really popular, but then I've also, had a lot of kind of in a way criticism because it's sort of like it's cheating you know because you're using pine nuts you're not using a christmas tree you're not being a purist but i find that really funny because you know pine nuts come from pine trees right that it's the same that we are already cooking with a christmas tree and i find it funny that people don't put those two together you know like why do we disconnect things like that why can we use trees for one thing like decoration but not for others and and you know the the point of my book is to think beyond a christmas tree you know could we be celebrating christmas by using other trees or or other elements of a tree you know could we just snip a branch off or could we make a dish out of pine nuts and celebrate christmas that way you know so so yeah this 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 recipe was divisive, but I, I think it's uh, in, been interesting to make people put the connection between, you know, what, what a Christmas tree is. Yeah, because most people wouldn't associate pine nuts with a pine tree. And then most people wouldn't throw a tree away. And it's yeah. very important, isn't it? Um, we're recording this probably before most people will have bought their Christmas tree, certainly before I bought my Christmas tree, yeah. early December. Um, but I will be looking for a root ball Christmas tree because Great. I will be planting it straight afterwards. Um, I haven't done that before and I'm shocked at myself. Um, and I have to say that it was reading about your pine nuts and that connection that made me think, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> you know, I buy it. I literally live next to a Christmas tree farm. Right. <laughs> they don't offer the opportunity to buy a root ball. And I'm going to go over there and I'm going to say, why are you not doing that? You know, you need to give people an opportunity to plant them again. Well, back to the old capitalist model. They're not going to say, well, you know, that's a very good idea. You've yeah. just killed my business. Yeah. Um, 
But I am going to find a root ball Christmas tree. I mean, that is the answer, isn't it? That's to, fabulous. To plant it back in your in your garden every year. And of course, you do say that other Christmas trees are available. Yeah, there's a, there's a few. So I've mentioned things like juniper, which is also an evergreen. It's a cousin of the Christmas tree. It grows really quickly. Uh, there's there's the you know the the plum, the pine, and the bamboo in Asian culture are known as the three friends of winter. And they have the same significance as a Christmas tree. You know, they represent everlasting life. And, and, and I think, you know, if we, if we looked at other plants like bamboo, for example, if, if we kept bamboo as Christmas trees, well, how much better would that be for the planet? Because it's super fast growing. And, and you know, it, it's so much better to keep, you know, to, to keep things like Christmas trees, which have like, you know, technically a 400 year lifespan in the ground, right? Um, so, so yeah, we, if we looked at maybe using your house plant rather than going and buying a Christmas tree, that, <laughs> that might, might be a lot better, you know. <laughs> your fourth food moment. If we stopped harvesting trees, this is your sustainability agenda. Yeah. So if, I mean, I would have, I, there's so m- many recipes that, that I love and that I would have loved to have spoken about, but actually I think the infographic, um, at the beginning of the book is really important and, to the reason behind the project really and, and it's a piece of research that I sort of put together from from reading uh reading around about the subject uh and and you know here's the information that I really really want you to know so basically in the UK and the USA alone 40 million trees are cut down per year right so so if we think about that number that enormous number and then think about the fact that it takes seven to ten years to grow a Christmas tree for consumption but actually as I mentioned before the average lifespan of a tree is 400 years old. So super, super long, long lifespan. If we just let that one year's worth of Christmas trees grow, they could absorb the equivalent CO2 emissions as banning all global air traffic for just over a year. Or to put it another way, and I think I always gawk at this, taking all cars off uk roads for the next five years mm. right so that is mm. a massive amount of carbon storage in over their over their lifespan okay and and also i think an important thing to note is having old growth forests and letting trees grow for as long as possible is much better for the planet because trees are are, are much stronger that way you know you know and 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 for me that statistic is really 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 important and it's really shocking actually and i think we should really be thinking of alternative ways to celebrate christmas with that statistic in mind you know whether that's not keeping a christmas tree or like you say plant your own christmas tree and keep it in the garden or or being creative and and using something else to symbolize a christmas tree um or you know perhaps it is like harvesting and eating the needles and and having this like celebratory feast rather than chopping down a whole tree you know and and, and going back to Red Zeppi, there's a quote that I, I well, a way of thinking that I really like from him. And he, he kind of talks about using a tree as a living source of food, you know, rather than just like chopping it down, keeping it for a few weeks in our living room hostage and then just like stuffing it down the back of a wheelie bin, you know, hoping that someone's going to come and collect it when Christmas is over. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a crime, isn't it? It's a real crime. I'm just thinking. I mean, I hate plastic Christmas trees, but actually... Yeah, me too. But is that the better thing to do? Is that just put your Christmas tree away each year like you do your Christmas lights and your tinsel and bring it out each year? It dep- I've actually read quite a lot of articles recently on this because I think this year people are, are starting to kind of wake up to the fact, you know, is this really sustainable? But actually, the amount of 
energy it takes to make a plastic, making a plastic tree is really, really bad for the environment. Having said that, my mum has a, a plastic Christmas tree. We've had it for about 20 years and she uses it every year. So, so if you've got a plastic Christmas tree, absolutely keep it. Don't put it in landfill and just use it for the next, I don't know, how long will it last? The next 400 yeah. years? I don't know. <laughs> like, plastic just lives forever, doesn't it? But so, so either if you've got a plastic Christmas tree, keep it. But if you don't have one, absolutely go for a real Christmas tree. Just make sure you can dispose of it in the right way or not dispose of it at all, plant yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So which of your 30 gorgeous recipes are you going to put on your Christmas table this year? Um, so I have been for the last few years making the uh, Christmas tree cured fish as a as a starter for my family uh, and it, it's a really nice starter recipe it, it tastes really really Christmassy um, and I think cured fish for me at the you know when I started this project I was a little bit uh, intimidated of it but it's actually very simple uh, and and you know initially we started this recipe with uh, salmon um but obviously that isn't the most sustainable of fishes so i've 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 tried it with lots of dif- different fish um and it works really really well what fish are you going to use this year and can you take us through how to do it it depends what's on offer to be really honest with you um it will probably be a white fish uh, it just depends what i can get from my fish fishmonger um and it's a mixture of salt uh, sugar, beetroot, lemon, lots of Christmas tree needles, um, made into made into a cure, and then uh, I'll freeze my fish for twenty four hours um, just to, to get rid of any 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 nasties. Um, defrost, wrap the the fish in in that in that uh, Christmas tree cure, wrap it in in cling film, and leave it for for twelve hours um, in, in the fridge. And then you end up with this because of the beetroot it's this pink color uh and then and then you kind of end up with this uh salted um easy easy to slice uh fish and I'd serve that with pickles and and on rye usually brilliant that is definitely going to go on my Christmas table this year along with my many many <laughs> vegan things so one for the vegans very quickly to finish because I've got two vegan daughters who sometimes eat a bit of fish. <laughs> Oh, so they're, they're Seagans. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. nice. Seagans and vegans and, you know, the rest of it. Yeah. So yeah. W- what about what about tea? Yeah, there's lots of drinks you can you can uh, make with Christmas trees. And that's kind of how it's been used the most, you know, over time. But yeah, there's Christmas tree tea, which is probably the most easy way of uh, eating or drinking your Christmas tree. So you quite literally stew some needles in a pot. But I would add some lemon a little bit of lemon and a tiny little bit of honey and it's a really nice way of ending a christmas dinner i think thanks for listening you can buy all the books featured on cooking the books by clicking on the podcast show notes or on the bookshop tab at jillysmith.com and while you're there do sign up for the newsletter to keep up with all my supper club news for 2022 i'm going to take a couple of weeks off now and i will be back in the new year with lots more wonderful food books to fill your shelves have a lovely christmas and a very happy new year Mm -hmm.